2: Here's your host, John Chapman.
3: All right, faithful. Welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I'm your host as always, John Chapman. And I'm going to be a little selfish here. I want to put my teachers and my 49ers hat on at the same time. So what we're going to be doing today, and I'm pretty excited about this. uh, It actually was a little therapeutic. Going through the offense, the defense, even the coaching staff, and giving grades out it's report card time baby <laughs> that's what it is the end of the grading period at school is friday coming up so you know i've been working on grades and getting everything finalized and all those things and i figured man why not take a step back and let's assess through five weeks now the records two and three that's your ultimate grade which is subpar um but let's look from an individual standpoint the good and the bad And so I went through and, you know, graded every single starter on offense, defense, all those things. And it was just gross. Made me feel gross. And I was like, man, how can I present this in a way that's a little bit more easy on the ears? (laughs) Perhaps that's a thing. Um, And so what I want to do is bounce back and forth. Positives and negatives. Balance it out. The yin and the yang, Right. Um, love it. Seeing the countdown crew. Oh, got to give a shout out. Uh, really good friend, Tim Ford, joining us with the countdown crew. It is his birthday today, uh, in a fantasy football league with this guy. He beat me about two weeks ago. Uh, but anyway, just want to say happy birthday, Tim. Uh, awesome man. Just a great individual and uh, man. It's awesome. I think he turned 39 today. Props brother. Um, so here's what we're going to do again. We're going to bounce back and forth, positive, negative, balance it out. That way it doesn't turn into another rant like what we had Sunday night as we get into this. Now, I do have to say uh, we're a little bit in the dark. Twitter is down. <laughs> red alert, red alert. It, Twitter's down, so it's kind of difficult to get all of the you know, practice updates. They just concluded practice. We did get Robert Sala, um, and we've got some clips from him today that he just finished about 15 minutes ago. But as far as like who was a uh, full participant, all that stuff, it's not out yet. Uh, probably won't be out for another hour or two, but, um, that's what's up. Uh, that's what we'll have to do. Oh, I see Ivan's in here as well. What's up, Ivan? Glad that you are here. What's up, man? So let's do this. Let's start off on the defensive side and let's just talk through some things. Now, again, if you step back and you recognize the defense as a whole, all right, you look at everything. It's not great, but the numbers are good because of the Jets in the Giants games where they were just completely dominant, right? So you had these two dominant games. Then you've had three bad games um, where you've given up over 20 points and obviously the Dolphins blew us out, but we still are 11th best in the NFL for points allowed. Okay, so overall, it's not terrible, (laughs) but it's not good either. It's not what we've come to expect. So let's talk who is the top-earning Victorian of the defense through five weeks. And I don't think I'm going to get much debate here. Fred Warner has been elite. Not good, not great, not above average. Fred Warner's been elite. He has been everywhere. And it's across all three phases of the game. He's got six pressures, <laughs> four quarterback hits. Uh, you tackles, guess what? He leads the team in tackles. He leads the team in individual solo run stops. Also, he's got an interception. So he's got, you know, passes, his defense. He's everywhere. Fred Warner will be, I, I think, if he continues his play. Now, the problem's this. Fred Warner should be a first-team All-Pro. Um, he was second-team last year. I think he got 17 All-Pro votes. Uh, but he should be the first-team All-Pro guy. It's just what he should be. Now, there's some other great linebackers that are playing some great defense. Demario Davis is playing great. Um, there's lots of guys, and then you have your big-name guys, whatever else. Warner should be on that, 100%. So, love me some Fred Warner, the captain of the defense. And one of the questions I've been asked the most through email and you know through Twitter messaging and through everything, man, who is going to step up and be the captain and the voice to get this thing fixed? And I keep saying it's gotta be from somebody that is playing lights out and has a C on their chest. Fred Warner is the candidate. It should be him. Uh cannot say enough positive things about him. Now let's go negative. Right? Let's jump to the bottom of the barrel. And I hate to say it this way. The worst graded, and I think also worse, Cantavia Street. <laughs> this long ACL Trent Balky project, it is done. And it's kind of interesting because we had Solomon Thomas would have been, you know, he was that guy for three straight years that was at the very bottom. Now it's it's the guy that took his spot, Contavious <laughs> Street. Now he's only gotten 80 snaps, but he's played in almost every single game, and he just hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything. In fact, he is a huge liability in the run game. Um, The lowest-graded run defender that we have on our entire team. The Contavious Street project needs to be done. I I think once Julian Taylor comes back, that will push Contavious Street out the side to where he's just an emergency guy. All right, now let's jump back up. I got another A-plus, guys. I got three A-pluses that I gave out. Eric Armstead, the freaking tall tree from Oregon, has been great. Two sacks on the year, 19 pressures. He's got nine solo stops. He's played so many snaps, and he's doing it in both parts of the game. Run game, excellent. Passing game, excellent. Now, is he the type of guy that's going, you know, I mean, he had a double-digit sack last year. I, I, don't, I don't see that this year. <laughs> but once he can move inside, if we allow that to take place, that's where most of his sacks took place. He's an outstanding run defender on base downs on the outside. And he's a very good pass rusher from the inside, not from the outside. Um, Now, most of his snaps have been stuck at edge because we don't have D Ford or Nick Bosa to kick him inside. So he's staying outside uh, way too often. Even in passing situations, we got to get him down. But Eric Armstead, he is 100% earning his contract. Uh, Now, you can get into the debate, man, we should have kept DeForest Buckner instead of Eric Armstead. Those are arguments that are valid. But again, you've got to add in. You're not getting a first-round pick for Eric Armstead in the offseason. You might be able to get a second if you're lucky. Even then, probably not. So it's not a this for that. It's a this plus for that. So Eric Armstead, he's got to be with us for a long time. Love that he's put up back-to-back years of positive success. Every, the critique against Armstead last year was, hey, guess what? He's done it once. Well, guess what? He's doing it again. Great job by Eric Armstead. He gets a A+. Now let's go to the bottom. This one's going to hurt. This is going to bother some people. Jimmy Ward. F. Jimmy Ward gets an F. Coming off his best year. Gets a new contract. And he has been bad. Listen to how bad he's been. He's been targeted 17 times in the passing game. He's allowed 15 catches. 66 yards after the catch a 125 and .5 passer rating when he is targeted. That's just not going to do it. He's got it's just not going to do it. You can't even find him in a lot of the clips. You can't even find him. It's like he's not even out there. And you know if you look back to the, you know, I'm not putting Brian Allen in this report card grade. He's not, he's he's a transfer student, okay? <laughs> but the idea is this. A big reason why Brian Allen was so bad is because he had no safety help. Uh, part of that's the coach's fault. Part of that's Jimmy Ward's fault. And it, this is not okay. Jimmy Ward, I would much rather have Tavarius Moore out there or Marcel Harris. You know, if you just look at pro football focus grades, which, you know, Tavares Moore has 24 snaps on the year. Marcel Harris has 22 snaps on the year. They're both ranked in the top five for pro football focus grades for the 49ers. Jimmy Ward's the thirty-first defender out of thirty-three guys who have taken a defensive snap. That's how far down he is, and a lot of it is in run defense. Um, he's just nowhere to be found right now. So, don't know what the issue is. And even whenever, and here's here's where let's let's make it even worse, okay. We keep Jimmy Ward at safety because that's where he wants to play. Now we're down five freaking cornerbacks. Well, guess what? This guy started outside corner. Why don't you put him over there? Nah, we'll leave him at safety where he's doing awful. <laughs> he's doing so bad. Uh, it's almost benchable bad. Whenever you're watching film, you'll see him run himself out of a play. He's not even in the frame. You don't know where what he's jumping. It doesn't even make sense. So, personally, I, wouldn't, I would love for Tarverius Moore and Marcel Harris to get some of those snaps It won't happen because our coaching staff just refuses to make any adjustments or competition for any of those things. They have their guys that are highlighted, and they just say, hey, here's your job. You've earned it. No matter how bad you play, it's your job no matter what. And that's a huge critique, and we'll get into that once we get down to the coaching staff. But Jimmy Ward has been trash. He's been so bad this year. Hopefully that changes, but through five games... The guy hasn't made one impact play yet. Not one. You got to get involved. Got to get involved. Got to get involved. Um, all right, let's go back to the positive. This is my last A+. Plus. Jason Verrett. Oh, my gosh. I freaking love the way that this guy has played, and he's been through hell. Now we're going to jump to our first clip here. This is Robert Sala on Jason Verrett and just what makes him so special. Because again, you got to remember, this guy was an All-Pro as a rookie, first-round pick. Then three straight years with injuries. Then we get him back for four plays. He gets torched. Um, but anyway, here's here's our DC on Jason Verrett.
2: Better every single day. I mean, he's got such a great mindset to him. Uh, there's a reason why he was an All-Pro. Um, uh, in his earlier years when uh, before all the, the injury luck uh, hit him. Uh, but, you know, his film study, his practice habits, um, his attention to detail, all of it is fantastic. And uh, so, again, same thing for him. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed by him as an individual. Uh, you can see why he's been so good for, throughout his entire life. But uh, for him to just continue focusing on getting better every single day and continue on the track that he's on, I'm really excited to see how far he can get it.
3: Man, and, you know, you look at exactly how well he's been playing. Man, this game this week might be competition for the starting job. When Richard Sherman comes back, which should be a week or two, we said that last week, should be a week or two, Richard Sherman starting period, bar none. But who's going to be the opposite corner? That's a question. And Emmanuel Mosley has been that guy, but there's not the history that's there for Emmanuel Mosley. He didn't get his actual first start outside of injuries. The NFC Championship game. He had the NFC Championship game. He had the Super Bowl. He had the first two weeks, and he got injured. So he's got four starts (laughs) that were not precluded to injury. Jason Verrett, this team, they have loved what he has brought, and he's continued to be great. And I love these two corners. You know, Manuel Mosley should be back fine this week after practicing back-to-back days, Uh, still in concussion protocols, can't go through contact, but thats it it seems like once you get to that stage of the NFL, where he is currently, they almost always play on Sunday. So hopefully that's the case. But maybe we're in a situation where these two guys, Verrett and Mosley, they're going against each other this week to see who's going to start when Sherm comes back. We'll have to see. But uh, Verrett's been absolutely incredible. It's crazy to believe those four snaps he took last year where he got toasted like back-to-back-to-back times, that now he's where he is and just playing lights out. Um, You know, we we give Shanahan crap, and I do all the time. They refuse to give up on guys. The Shanahan Shanahan loyalty project, well, this time it paid off. You know, it's paying off. Now, let's stay in the position. Let's go negative. Akela Witherspoon, D. Ah, D. Now, here's the deal. Was he better than Brian Allen? yes. But the fact that he wouldn't allow himself to play, which clearly he was healthy. Now, he probably had to play through some stuff. But to hurt the coaching staff and to tell the coaching staff all week, yeah, I'm good to go, yeah, I'm good to go, yeah, I'm good to go. Then Saturday, when there's no practices left, sorry, coach, don't think I can go. Get the hell out of here. Um, yeah, this this is the last year for Akello. Uh, he, he's, the mentality's not there. We've seen that three years in a row. Just... Between the years, you have to have it as a football player. This guy clearly doesn't. All right, let's move to our A category. Kevin Givens, baby. Kevin Givens has played extremely well. We're going to get to a lot of the q and A. I'm seeing the questions come in. Um, once we finish the defensive grades, then we'll do offense. We'll jump back and forth. So Kevin Givens has been great. He's got 139 snaps, um, 329 total defensive snaps on the year. Um, he's got a 139. So he's... It, little over a third. Those should go up. Now, the only problem you can say is he does have some missed tackles, but he's playing on the right side of the line. Now, he's not getting a whole lot of pressures. You know, he's only got one quarterback hit on the year. But the thing with Kevin Givens is you're getting two plays a game where he blows up a play for a huge negative uh, going against the offense. That's what's so special about him. Now, he does struggle versus the double team. But whenever he plays with good leverage when you're watching film, he flashes. Number 90 flashes. And so now let's take a step back and go back to the offseason. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, Robert Sala, Fred Warner, uh, Eric Armstead, all of these people echoed the same thing. What is the one thing that this defense has to do to improve from 2019? Our defense was amazing in 2019. Well, that was the inside run. We were giving up so many yards to the inside. Well, guess what? We're allowing 3.8 yards per carry. That's a full yard lower than where we were last year. Now, I know you can say, well, <laughs> he's running the ball against us. You're correct. Uh, we're, we don't have a lot of rushing attempts against us. However, we are stopping the inside run. So that's one and the big reasons for that is Kevin Givens. He's played great. He's played very, very well. Now, so I, I want to see him get more snaps. I really, really do. I think you've got three interior defensive guys that you can rotate uh, between Ken Law, DJ Jones, and Kevin Givens. After that, it gets suspect real quick, um, real quick. So it, the problem is you've got these three guys on the interior, but that's it. You, you can't just rotate three guys. You have to have more than that, and that's where Street's getting in, and it's just not going well. It's, it's going poorly, in fact. All right, now let's jump to the other side. Now we're equal, equal and out. Let's go to our C grades, and this jumped up. I would probably gave him a D, but after last week, it bumped up a whole letter grade. Quan Alexander, I gave a C. Now, he's injured, but I, I really believe he's coming off his best game. His best game is a 49er. Uh, the dude did not have mistakes last week. And it sucks that he had his injury when it did because you saw his play was trash whenever he came back from his injury. We've talked about it a lot. But what happened was he finally started to click and put three positive games on tape in a row. Now, the first two games were trash. Next three games were very positive. So again, C, it probably could have gone a little bit higher, maybe a B minus, but Quan's kind of in that category. Back to the A category, DJ Jones, baby. DJ Jones, you know, I just said all these nice things about Kevin Givens, rightfully so. DJ Jones, they're almost identical in numbers. DJ Jones has 157 snaps to Kevin Givens, 139. Now, if you jump all the way down to Javon Kinlaw, he's out snapping both of them, 203. A lot of that's because the injury DJ Jones had got poked in the eye, missed a lot of snaps this last game, but he's fine. He's practiced both days, back to back. DJ Jones is back. But Jones is playing great. He's got a sack, not a lot of pressures. You know, he's predominantly a run stopper. He does have four solo run stops. But DJ Jones is a guy who is taking on the majority of the double teams on this team. And he does get washed and spin moves a little bit too often. But still a positive impact player on the interior. So DJ Jones has been as advertised what we wanted him to be, not getting as many explosive plays as we were hoping. We saw a couple huge explosive plays last year. That hasn't happened yet. But with those three interior guys, you're holding it down. So uh, no complaints there. Great job by DJ Jones. I would like his snap count to get up a little bit. But again, with these bigger interior guys that are taking on double teams, you gotta be careful. Because you start getting tired, then you give up ground. (laughs) When you have 600 pounds Pressy to get to you, uh, it's going to wear you out. Uh, I, 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 little known fact about John Chapman, uh, I was the starting nose tackle. For my 3A Texas high school football team. Um, And little old John, I was 185 when I graduated. uh, But I was a mean little booger. So I got to line up on the center and the shade and just beat the tar out of them. Usually I got the tar beat out of myself, but I didn't care. I was kind of like a little bulldog in there. It wears you out though. Uh, No lie. Inside, you're going against double teams. It's tiring. Um, So respect there. Now let's go the other way. Now we're in kind of the average area. Drake Greenlaw, I have getting a B. He hasn't played that much, but again, uh, led to an interception. You know, he's, he's been on the positive side of everything. He has no negative grades, really. Um, but again, his numbers have dropped dramatically. So I'm curious to see how he will respond. That's why I got him in the B. No negative anything. But how is he going to respond now that he's starting? Does he pick up where he left off? I think that he can, and I hope that he does, because he, he's been straight fire, and now my boy, here we go, Carrie <claps> Hyder, baby, Carrie freaking Hyder, he's got four sacks, <laughs> Kerry Hyder is fourth in the NFL in sacks, with four, just like we all planned, guess who number one is, is Alden Smith, if you you want to make it even more weird, but You've got this guy who was the last player on our roster. We almost kept Deion Jordan over him. So glad we did it. Now, luckily, we are able to get almost everybody back. We did get Deion Jordan. We still have him, which is great. But, man, Kerry Hyder. it's stupid how well he's played. He's got 21 pressures, leads the team. He's got four sacks, more than twice the next person on the team. He's got six quarterback hits, leads the team. You can keep going. He's got 11 solo run stops. This guy is everywhere. He's everywhere. Um, absolutely love the way that this kid has stepped up. And, man, I hope we reward him with the contract because he deserves to be a part of this team the way that he's set up long-term. Love me some Kerry Hyder. He gets an A. Um, I, I wanted to go higher, but... I think an a is appropriate with with the way that he has played. Uh, Deion Jordan, I got a C plus. Hasn't done a lot. You know his snaps really aren't there. Um, but you know he he's a guy. He's got eighty four snaps out of three thirty. So he's going in situationally. He's got three total pressures. All right. You're all right. Nothing great. Whenever you watch him, it seems like they have to almost stunt every single time he's in because they just don't trust him to go one-on-one versus a left tackle. Um, So I don't like that a lot. Emmanuel Mosley, who we've talked about, and we're going to get a C again this week. I got an A-. minus. You know, he's missed some time, but his numbers are pretty damn good. Really could have, you know, gone higher on Emmanuel Mosley but it didn't want to go too high. He's allowed 10 catches on 16 targets, uh, two defensive penalties, which has been rough, but he's got two pass breakups on top of that. No touchdowns allow- allowed. Manuel Mosley is going to make a huge difference this game because, again, you're not having that huge liability out there at corner anymore. Ah, nickel. Nickel's kind of bad, but outside corners were okay. And, you know, Robert Sala was asked, how did this kid go undrafted? You know, from undrafted to starting in the Super Bowl and playing well—besides that last play, uh, the third and fifteen—what what happened with Emmanuel Mosley? How did he go undrafted? Here's Robert Sala.
2: That's a a good question. In the in the in the uh, when you're talking about uh, Mos, um, it's so subtle because. Uh, I mean, the guy, first off, first and foremost, he's got such a great mindset with regards to being fearless. He does not care who he's going against. He does not care the situation. There's no situation too big for him. Um, he's got such a great mental toughness to him and a great mindset to him. He plays with unbelievable technique and strength at the line of scrimmage. Um, he, he does not panic at, uh, at the catch point. He doesn't panic at the uh, top of the routes. So all all of it you know, from a mindset standpoint and just a personality standpoint, he's got no panic, no fear, and great technique. And then on top of it, you get into the mental aspect with regards to understanding route combinations and understanding uh, uh, plays, and um, uh, you, you, you got yourself one heck of a corner. Um, sometimes kids slip, you know, uh, in the draft process, but uh, it doesn't mean that they're not good enough. It just means that they got a different opportunity than people who are drafted. And so that's what makes those undrafted guys who make it special because they've got that mindset. And when you talk about Mosley and his mindset, I mean, shoot after practice, uh, he came right up to me after a, after a period, and he was like, Salah, what was that route? Uh, I hadn't seen it before. And I was like, the card, they messed up the card. So, he, And he was able to recognize, like, I haven't seen that route on tape, but the card had gotten messed up. And so I was like, good job, man, I see you. So it's uh, so for him, he's he's awesome.
3: I, I I remember whenever I used to run the scout team as a coach there is nothing more frustrating whenever you're trying your hardest to prepare your starters for what they're going to see and again you know you're dealing with scout team you know players which all do respect not usually the cream of the crop and you'd get mistakes uh you want to see a coach get upset Uh, It's usually going to be, I have to do something with the scout team. Uh, You hold up a card, it shows the picture kind of Madden style, and then you say, go do it. Uh, They've never practiced it, and so it's what it is. But the fact that he was able to recognize, and again, here's the thing with Emmanuel Mosley. He was a quarterback in high school, a state championship quarterback in Tennessee, small guy. He was like 140 pounds whenever he went to the University of Tennessee as a DB, packed on some weight, uh, still a smaller guy, This guy is a football player who happens to play cornerback because that's all his body will limit him to do in the NFL. This guy's an athlete and a half and crazy bulldog mentality. Absolutely love it. Uh, I'm such a big Mosley fan. I really, really am. And whenever you step back and look, hey, we have nobody signed. Nobody is signed going forward. (laughs) Somebody's got to be kept. Uh, There is a strong possibility that Verrett and Mosley will be the starting corners moving forward. Um, you'll be able to get them on relatively Tim-friendly deals, and you're not going to have to pay top-tier money, which guess what? The 49ers don't have. We're in huge cap space um, issues moving forward next year, especially with the cap dropping $25 million, uh because of COVID and revenue and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, all right, let's go with our middle of the pack guys. I've got two guys left I'm giving a grade to on the defensive side. Then we'll get into your questions. Uh, Jakuwski Tart, I got a B plus. I and, and this is I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade or anything. This is a huge positive grade. Jakuwski Tart has always had the issue with missed tackles, which he has two this year, and giving up big plays in the passing game. He hasn't done that. He hasn't allowed one touchdown. In fact, he's got one interception and two pass breakups. He's only got one penalty. So teams used to attack him. He was the go-to, hey, let's pick on this guy. You go back to 2019, and you get going through that stretch versus the Ravens and the Saints and a couple other people. They were going after Tart. They were going after him. So absolutely love the way this guy's played. Could have been a higher grade, really. To be honest with you, I probably shorted him a little bit because of his past. But it's a contract year. He's trying to prove himself, and he has done exactly that. Um his safety counterpart, not so much. But Tart has been great. And then let's talk about the Rook, save him for the last. Man, Javon Kinlaw, there's different ways to measure a rookie, especially on the defensive line. Now, we got kind of spoiled with Nick Bosa, and we're like, oh, we want sacks, we want sacks, we want sacks. Well, that wasn't going to happen with Kinlaw. Now, he's got nine pressures and two QB hits, zero sacks. That's problematic. That's why I'm giving him a B+. Plus. And the reason why I'm giving him a B+, plus, how great he is in the run game. Eight solo run stops, and you see the explosiveness, you see the disruption, you see the strength, and you don't see negative plays. That's the thing. They're not running it through his gap at all. Go back to what I said earlier. What was the number one concern of all of the coaching staff on what to improve of on the defense? It was to stop the inside run. It stopped. It has stopped they've completely shut that part down. Now, <laughs> we we've got a running faucet on both sides with all these injuries. So we've got to get that done. But uh, Ken Law has been as advertised. You know, I put this question out there. You know, I put a picture of the whole first round and said, "Okay, let's let's say you don't you want to change what the 49ers did in the first round. What are you going to do?" I mean, a lot of people threw out CD Lamb, that's fine. But if you take CD Lamb at, you know, 13 or 14 because he went before we got Ayuk that's fine. What are you going to do with that second pick? You're going to go wide receiver, wide receiver? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. There have not been another impact player at the position we need. There haven't been any other impact corners. There haven't been any other impact guards or centers. There haven't been any other impact really anything after that. It's a huge question mark. So the fact that we got Brandon Ayuk and Javon Kinlaw, who have both been hits, man, even after hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm very, very pleased with what we walked out of that first round with. No doubt about that. Now, I didn't grade Sherman um, or D Ford or a lot of other guys just because they get incompletes because we haven't seen them. We haven't seen them. Um, So kind of take that for what you want. All right, let's jump into the questions. Oh, here we go. At home, dude, let's go banging chest. Ooh, I appreciate it. Uh, I, th- I think he's doing the thing. I don't think he's giving me a compliment, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. Thank you. Um, I did do chess yesterday. Uh, from MK Green, John, what are your thoughts on the Matt Ryan rumors? Is that kind of move uh, that could stop a dynasty before it starts? See, so Here's the deal. Matt Ryan right now, who would I rather have, Matt Ryan or Jimmy Garoppolo? I'd prefer Matt Ryan right now, no doubt. However, You know, I talked to my cousin yesterday, who's, you know, born and raised in Atlanta, huge Falcons fan. He's like, he he literally said, I can't wait till we get rid of Matt Ryan. And I'm like, man, I'm getting questions over here. Like, what's it going to take us to get him? And he's like, gosh, please. He's like, I would take a fifth round pick if you took Matt Ryan. It's going to cost a lot more than that to get him. And you want to look at his contract. Holy cow, you're talking 30 plus million dollars this guy's making. I don't know how they're going to work that out. Give up a fourth round pick. Now we don't have a third or a fourth moving into the draft. We're already out of a third from Tripp Williams. I just don't know. And so here's what I want to say. And, uh, you know, I've said some variation of this the past two weeks. Now is the time to figure out if Jimmy is our guy. It's not time to jump yet. Matt Ryan isn't going to solve our problems moving forward. Let's say you get Matt Ryan, who's 37. You trade for him, great. Great. You don't want to move forward with a 38-year quarterback. We have a young team. So Matt Ryan is a band-aid, perhaps, but he's still very turnover prone. And again, that contract, you're using more draft capital. Use this season. We've got to figure out if Jimmy G's the guy or not. Some people are like, oh, he sure as hell is not the guy. Well, look at his winning record. It's there. It's there. The numbers are good. You look at his career all completely, even though it's a quick one, they're good. So you have to see how he's going to respond. And now you're not going to find that out in week six versus the Rams, right? He needs to have a good four or five week window. Now, if he puts up three more games like he has, then yeah, then it's time to have that conversation. Now is not it. Now is not it. You've got to see what he is. Because here's the deal. If you bring Matt Ryan over behind this offensive line, you're not going to like the result. Um, he's not any more mobile than Jimmy Garoppolo or Nick Mullins. He's just not. It's just not what's going to happen. So kind of take that for what you you want. All right, I'm nobody you need to know. He says, Grant Cohn, all right, said it was possible. Jimmy could retire early because of getting injured so much since he's become a starter. Thoughts? Yeah, I completely disagree with that one. Um, You know, there are certain reporters out there that are going to get people to click on things and try to appeal to emotion over fact. And I like grant I've worked with grant. Um, good dude. Uh, but yeah, he's trying to get all those things. Jimmy G's not going anywhere. He's had an ACL, um, and he's had a high ankle sprain. I think that's about it. He had a concussion probably in the super bowl, but uh, we won't talk about that. Jimmy G's not going anywhere, uh, whether retirement or whatever if Jimmy G does go, it's because the coaching staff has decided to move on from him. Um, and it's just what it's going to be. From Nick, if the 49ers have a losing season, right, seven and nine, which is in the possibility now, and you look at that schedule, we're two and three. Yeah, it's definitely there. What is the likelihood of a bounce back next year with the return of the injured players? Well, we don't know what that's going to look like. So let's say we go seven and nine. Okay, Nick, that means you're going to be picking probably 13 to 17, uh, or maybe 12 to 15, that, that range, where we were picking this year, we had the 13th pick, fell back one, you look who you got, now the good news is, you're getting Nick Bosa back, possibly, you know, you're talking defensive player of the year, the good thing is, with how early his injury was, he will be back. There's no doubt about that. You're talking usually a seven to nine month ACL rehab, and it's getting faster and quicker every single season because of medicine and rehab and surgery and all those things. So you're talking seven to nine months. So we're going to have Nick Bosa back next year by training camp. He might not be at OTAs, whatever else. If we have OTAs, uh, hopefully by that time we're back to somewhat normal. Yeah, I think that would be huge. But again, quarterback, offensive line, Those are issues, and cornerback, we have no clue. Personally, I wish I had a betting prop where I could bet the corners (laughs) for the 49ers in 2021. It's probably going to be Verrett, and it's probably going to be Mosley. I doubt they're going to shell out the money for Richard Sherman to bring him back. I wouldn't be upset if they did, especially if he comes back from this ankle or calf issue uh, and stays kind of on brand because he's been great. He really has been great, been worth every penny. All right, we'll get to some more questions in a while. I wanted to go to a faithful review. I missed this last episode, so I apologize. This is from Bo Dizzle. So I'm asking people to jump onto iTunes, type in 49ers Rush Podcast, and leave a five-star review and tell us the story about how you joined the faithful. And it's been fascinating because we've had some crazy Absolutely insane stories about how people join the faithful. And I don't care how you got here. I don't care how you joined the faithful. What I care is you stay. That's who we are. And this story from Bo Dizzle, I can't say that name enough, is awesome. He starts off by saying this. My brother tried to brainwash me until I was eight years old to like the Broncos. That's a terrible brother. I apologize. Um, that's just a terrible brother. Nobody wants to like the Broncos. Um and he succeeded. Uh oh! Until the Christmas of 1993, when my aunt gave me a 49ers beach towel for no reason at all—a beach towel. Um, I think she was confused which team I liked at the time, and suddenly I fell in love with the red and gold. Don't we all? The red. Don't you look at other teams' uniforms and just like it's? I I feel bad for them. I, I mean, the 49ers logo. The red and gold, the uniforms, which we're wearing the all-white 94 shadowed numbers this week. So even if we don't look good on the field with our play, we're going to look damn good with our uniforms. Those are my favorite uniforms ever. Um, I mean, just golly. It's just beautiful. But I digress. Um, He says, I, I think my aunt was confused on which team I liked. I fell in love with the colors and have been a fan ever since. Still to this day, my brother hates when I bring up the beach towel. That is incredible. It's the little things. So if you have nephews, if you have little grandchildren, whatever, get them 49ers gear. I I don't get paid for the 49ers gear stuff, but I'm telling you right now, as a child, my initiation came in the form of a Jerry Rice jersey when I was 10 years old for my 10-year-old birthday, and the only reason why I wanted the jersey is because I hated my stepdad. I wanted to piss him off because he was a Cowboys fan, and I didn't like him, and so (laughs) I wanted him to spend his money on something he hated which was the 49ers, he hated them more than anybody, so I wanted that jersey, I still have that jersey, it's the first thing I see in my closet, I, I kid you not, every single morning, I see the damn jersey, and I smile, because I am an a-hole, <laughs> but that is how I got started, 10 years old, Jerry Rice jersey, and for me, it was middle finger to my my stepfather, but that stuff matters. It really really does. Those tokens of fandom, those tokens of, you know, what it means and what you wear and what you represent. And wearing that Jerry Rice jersey walking around in Dallas, Texas as a 10-year-old. Oh man. You think Cowboy fans are bad on Twitter? Wait till you <laughs> cross them in their home territory. Good gosh. And that was during, you know, I think that was 92. So that's where the Cowboys 49ers rivalry was whatever. And I walked out with my chest held high starting fights with grown men left and right. Some things never change. Uh, (laughs) That's what it is. All right, let's jump over to the offensive side. I know this episode is going to go long, but I think it's good. I think it provides a snapshot of some positives and negatives because right now we're all hurting for positives. There's so many negatives out there. So let's do this Uh, again, bouncing back and forth. Right off the bat, top grade goes to Raheem freaking Mostert. You cannot talk about anybody else that has had such a positive impact like this guy Raheem Mostert. He's averaging seven yards per carry. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty good. What about receiving? He's caught nine out of ten targets for 15 yards per reception. And you're like, well, that's because he had those huge gains. You're right. And guess what? We haven't had any huge gains outside of him. And I think that's part of the problem. We have to go get those things. Mostert gets an A+. Top grade in the class on offense. Worst grade? This one hurts. I don't even like saying it. Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor has been so bad. Five catches on 10 targets. It's bad. It's so bad. In fact, he didn't get very many snaps last week. They stayed with Kendrick Bourne as the slot, which he was bad. Um, but Trent Taylor, I don't know. I, I think I think that ship has sailed. I, I, I think it's I, I think that's that's done. I really really do. Uh, now positive man, let's go. George Kittle, A plus. Are you freaking kidding me? Comes back through the injury and goes off for <laughs> how many catches for 180 plus yards? Yeah, it, George Kittle is George Kittle. It doesn't matter if he's asleep, if he's injured. None of those things matter. He is just... Did you know that you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks? You can turn $10 into 1000 with basketball, hockey, college basketball entries today on prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And here's what's great. It, it, you can get action on sports on more than 30 different states across the country, including California. Again, that's promo code 49ers for a first deposit matchup up to $100 over on Prize Picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Just great. 23 catches on 28 targets. And the guy just it, his blocking hasn't been as elite as it we've seen in the past, but we expect that to rebound. Not even worried about it. All right, bad. Here we go. Jimmy Garoppolo. I gave him a D. Um, I didn't want to give him an F minus because of the injury, and because he did have that one amazing half versus the Jets before he got taken out. You know, he had one good game, two awful games. Um, and it's injuries it's complicated but definitely not a passing grade d is bad he's got to come out of this he's got to come out of it um we we got to see what happens there so jimmy that's where he belongs brandon Ayuk, i gave an a i i want to give him an a plus but i gave him an a he's been very very good but we got to get this guy the ball more he's been as advertised he really has been um, now, the problem is 12 catches on 22 targets. I don't like that. I don't like the catch rate. Now, a lot of that you're going to put on the quarterbacks, and rightfully so, but it is what it is. 54% catch rate, not good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad. It's it's very, very bad, as a matter of fact. But the two rushing touchdowns, the highlights, consistency, the guy's got to get the ball more. I like Brandon Ayuk. Love that pick. Uh, love that we traded up to get him. Uh, he's been excellent. Daniel Brunskill. D, D, got an undrafted free agent playing a position he's never played before. Now, the areas that he has been relatively decent at, he does stay in front of his guy, <laughs> but he he doesn't, How do, how do I say this? He struggles big time whenever it comes to locking onto his blocks in the run game and the passing game. Daniel Brunskill gets a D, you could go worse. You really could go worse. I would love to see somebody else in there. But whenever you look at it, whenever, you know, the backup to him, Colton Mckivitz got in there, he played very, very badly several times as well. Um, But we're getting closer and closer to that time. You know, the coaching staff keeps talking about continuity and how we need to keep things going and eventually they'll figure it out. Well, it hasn't been figured out yet. Eventually, personnel's got to take a a play in it. Maybe when Weston Richburg comes back at center, you move Ben Garland over to guard. Um, That would help tremendously. Back to the positive. Jerick freaking McKinnon finally paying off. He gets an A. Love this guy. His grit uh, never gave up anything, and he's been great. He's been absolutely great. Five and a half yards per carry on the ground with three rushing touchdowns. Then you look receiving. He's doing all right there. Receiving, receiving actually, a little bit of a struggle. He's had some tip passes that led to interceptions, um, checkdowns, whatever else, but he's got four touchdowns. <laughs> and for a team that is struggling with touchdowns, You're getting them from your kind of third down split back. Jarek McKinnon has been great. It got who the hell is going to be the comeback player of this team? You know, is it Trent Williams who's been out for three years? Is it Jason Verrett who's been out for three years? Is it Jarek McKinnon who's been out for two years? Is it Jordan Reed who's been out for two years? I mean, you can just keep going on. It's a reclamation project. But we're getting results. you know. Obviously, we have guys like Ken, uh, you know, Contavious Street who just have never panned out. But you are getting results from some of these guys that have dealt with injuries. And they're paying off. Um, so, Jarek McKinnon, great job. Mike McGlinchey, yeah. Man, it, you can say all these things about the entire offensive line. Uh, I'm giving him a C-. And here's why I'm giving him a C- minus over a D. He has a lot of the big plays are because of him. He's had a lot of very bright spots, but ugh, it's been bad too. And, and, you know, you look at the numbers, yeah, it's not good. Seven quarterback hits allowed, most on the team. 14 pressures tied for most on the team. Those aren't okay. Um, he's given up one sack, which is unfortunately the best of any of our starting offensive linemen, but he is getting the quarterback hit a lot. So we've seen glimpses, but we've got to stop that. Ben Garland, B+, plus. since he's come back, the line has been better. Uh, by far, he's played better than any other offensive lineman. It's not close, but still not an A player. Uh, he just hasn't been there because just the mix up. Here's the problem with Ben Garland. All of the miscommunications across the line fall on him. He is the coordinator of the offensive line. And so he's missing those calls. So whenever you see a miscommunication between Laken and Tomlinson and Trent Williams, that's on Ben Garland. You've got to make sure everybody understands what's going on. And that hasn't been the case. So that's why it's a B+. Really, if you just look at him you know, through a telescope, he should have been an A player. But the miscommunication hurts. Kendrick Bourne, I gave a C. I don't know how many drops you can have, <laughs> but he's got a lot and that's got to change. You know, you got one of the drops wiped off, but you cannot keep doing this. Uh, if you want this job, you got to go get it. You got to go get it. You know, he's been targeted 26 times, he's got 15 catches. Um the touchdown was awesome and I love that, but there's just a lot of negatives there. And, you know, and, and you look at kind of where he is just with run blocking and all of those things. Guess what? It's, it's not ideal, which it never has been. You look at kind of who he has been. He's been the worst run blocker that we have had the entire time he's been here. You know, he's a smaller framed guy. He works hard. That's great, but you got to go do something. I mean, his run blocking rate is a 52.8. It's just not a good run blocker. Um, and so that that causes problems. A lot of people are probably upset I gave him a C. That's okay. I don't care. Uh, Trent Williams, I gave a B minus. And here's why. Last game, would have got an F. <laughs> Previous game before that, probably got a C minus. But the first two games, he was an A plus. He was the best player, the highest ranked offensive tackle in the NFL for two games. Then, third game was average, fourth game was bad, fifth game was awful. So B minus uh you got to average them together, but we've seen how great he can be. We just got to figure that out because again, dominating. The number one tackle in the NFL after the first two weeks. And uh, I don't know where that's gone. So we'll have to see where that goes. And then Lakin Tomlinson, I'm going to give a C. Uh, he was the most reliable outside of Joe Staley. Most reliable offensive lineman we've had for 3 years. But now, uh, the communication, the relationship between Trent Taylor, Trent Williams, it's not good. It's not good. And so these are some things we've got to get fixed. Um, those, that's, those are all the report card grades I'm giving out. I'm not giving CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins. We know they're not the answer. We know we're not moving forward with them. I'm not wasting my time. that. <laughs> I, I feel bad saying that, uh, but whatever. So let's get a real quick word from our sponsor, and then we're going to go over some over-under point spreads, questions, and the coaching staff. Nobody's safe. I should give myself a grade. It's probably not going to be too high. Anyway, here's my bookie. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know the NFL and the NBA, they're back. They're in full swing, which can only mean one thing. It's a winning season at my bookie. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting whenever I'm putting my money on it, and if you've been betting with us, we've been doing very, very well so far this year, so stick with us, bet on it, use all the knowledge that we have, and let's be successful, and here's the deal, right now, they have $100,000, you heard me, $100,000 super contest for only $10 entry, 10 bucks. You can win all that money. They're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You would be crazy not to jump in there with all your knowledge. $10 to win thousands? Sign me up. You too can make up and sign up at my And Here's the deal. Use promo code 49ers49ERS 49ERS, to claim your 100% deposit match all the way up to $1,000. That means you put in $100, they're going to give you $100. Rollovers will be included in that, and if you have questions, please call their customer service. They'll help you with that. But the NFL, NBA, MLB, they've got it all on tap. It's never too late to get started, and if you've wanted to jump in with us, now's the best time. Head to mybookie.ag, promo code 49ers, and they're going to double your initial deposit. Thanks for the support, MyBookie. All right, so currently the 49ers are three-and-a-half-point underdogs, first time this year, And our over-under is at 51.5. Now I'm going to wait until tomorrow. Hopefully, Twitter's back online and we can kind of get more information about who's in, who's out, injury. Reports for both sides, things like that. So we'll have our bet special coming up. Uh, We're probably going to do that Saturday since it's a Sunday night game. And I do have to tell you guys this. uh, Just want to alert you. There's going to be a non-football, non-49ers related episode on my YouTube page coming out um, soon so don't flip out (laughs) it's not a uh not changing gears or anything like that this is something that's important for my classmates and for me personally it's not politically related whatever else but uh i told them i'm going to put that up there so just understand Uh, it's just going to be an interview um so you'll see that in about the next week so when you get a non-football related video go check it out learn something um But this is going to be for my kiddos. So just want to let you know that's there. I have this question here from Alex. He says, not football related, but curious. Who is the woman behind the voice that introduces you in the podcast? Uh, Love it. A librarian? No, that is actually Mrs. Chapman, the wife herself, um, she is incredible. Yeah, she sounds very attractive. I do understand. Um, that is the wifey. She's a hottie. Uh, don't know how I got her, but, uh, she's incredible. And she, uh, she sings, uh, she has a very good voice and does voiceovers as well. So if you ever want somebody to do voiceover work, uh, she does that as well. So that is, uh, the old Jennifer Chapman. She's incredible. Um, anyway, she's the strength behind the podcast. Um, the amount of support that the family, the kiddos and the wife give, it's pretty incredible. I'm a pretty dang lucky guy. Um, George, he says, does Robert Sala need to run some cover two to provide some over-the-top support for our corners? We did it last year. We did it last year. And when Joe Woods left, I think it left with him. We are so predictable on defense, and we do not know how to disguise anything. Um, it's bad. It's really, really bad how predictable our defense is. And, you know, I, I'm going to go into this right here. You know, our coaching report card. Robert Sala, I gave it F Um, minus. I'm glad I'm not the head coach because I wouldn't be good at it. But if I was, things would be changing. Um, Robert Sala, F minus. Now, here is Robert Sala lying about this exact same topic. He freaking flat out lied during the press conference today. So I'll allow him to talk. Then I'm going to show you the play that he is talking about Ah, oh, you're gonna get me mad. <laughs> Here we go, Robert Sala. Uh, did our best to
2: try to get him some safety help. Um, lie, but again, that's you know, a lie. Uh, I'll give credit to Brian. I, he, he did fight his tail off, and and it just it was unfortunate that uh, on a couple of occasions when we felt like we needed to take a shot based on situation and third down, Fitzpatrick did a really good job and and uh, and, and making the right read and getting the ball where it needed to go. And so, um, but like I said, there's there's always. Uh, Uh, opportunities to to grow and learn as an individual and i I look at that situation no different
3: no (laughs) no you've got to be kidding me we did our best to get safety over the top did you watch any of the game you didn't watch any of the game well guess what we did we have the freaking coaching tape ah get me fired up peoples get me fired up all right so i'm going to show you guys a clip from uh, our patreon breakdowns um this is the first play of the game So, uh, and and usually whenever I show, you know, I do my breakdowns. I try to watch the play and react as organically as I can. I don't script it out or whatever else. I script these out. Um, I think I have seven pages of notes here today for today's episode but whenever i do the patreon breakdowns it's it's very similar to whenever you watch film with your team you know you get the team you you recognize the plays and you remember a lot of plays from the broadcast or from the game itself but you watch the game film together whether as a coaching staff first or with the players right so you watch it with the coaching staff you react to all those things and you watch it with the players and you go over those same things and so that's what I do. So this is uh, going to show the play now, but a, for the non-video, uh, you're going to be able to follow along very closely, and I apologize for any animated words that I throw out there. Here we go. All right, welcome to another Patreon breakdown. This is the first play. <laughs> Defensive film study, which it's going to be bad, against the Dolphins. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick obviously just lit up the 49ers team, and you could see it from the very, very start. Uh, this is the first play of the game. And you can tell already it's not good. You come out with somebody that hasn't played in years. You put them in press man against guess who? Well, not their best player, but their second best wide receiver with zero safety help. Um you're gonna tell by this motion out here. Alright, that tells them we're in man. That's man, that lets them know it's man for sure. Looks off the safety. And so here, here's my issue. Okay, why are you leaving, who's actually in phase? He's in phase. He he's great coverage here. Why are you leaving this guy one-on-one with no safety help and you're floating safety help over to Jason Verrett? Well, Robert Sala believes his scheme is sound, which it is, but he doesn't make up for lack of talent in the personnel department. Um they take advantage of us on the first play. Okay, now again, he's in phase. Nothing wrong there, but at some point, you've got to realize this guy can't make a play on the ball. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's comical for him to come out and say in his press conference, and you saw he, he was not comfortable. Robert Sala was not comfortable today in the press conference at the start. Uh, questions came out hot. I love it. And he's like, oh, we tried to get him safety help. No, you didn't. You put him in press, man, and you motioned your safety. You you rolled your safety coverage to the opposite third. The opposite third. You didn't even have middle. Middle third. He didn't even have that. It's not even on an island. You had Brian Allen, who hasn't played in two years, on press man, not even bell technique, with not even middle third safety help. And then you come out and say, oh, we tried to help him with safety. That's bull crap. That is absolute bullcrap. You got absolutely abused by the Miami Dolphins coaching staff and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you had no answer for two and a half quarters. No answer. Single-handedly, Robert Sala lost us that game before we even stepped out on the field. Because he doesn't know how. To scheme to cover up weaknesses. You look at the 2019 team. Yeah, Robert Sala was incredible. Oh, he's a head coaching. Let's go get him out there. Well, yeah, guess what? I could be a damn coaching contender with that defense that you had out there. You had all pros all over the damn place. There were no holes in that team defensively in 2019. But who did we see the first... Two three years of sh- of Salah it was awful. who do we see now? Awful if you don't have mint defensive prospects out there completely, you suck. <laughs> Robert Sala sucks. I'm sorry, ah oh, being too hardcore right now, I think I love the dude as a guy i would I would rather have Robert Sala as my head coach than as my defensive coordinator because he can't make adjustments, and his scheme is awful. You put him on the board, the guy doesn't know what the hell's going on yeah, that's great it. it The worst coach that I've ever been around, I'm not going to say his name, his go-to philosophy, he knew more football than almost everybody. He could beat everybody on the board. Oh, my scheme works. There's no holes in the system. No, No holes. Well, guess what? That's great on the board. What happens when you put it to practice on game days? And after he'd get beat, he'd come back to the sidelines and talk to the players and say, I can't draw it up any better than this. You guys are just going to have to figure it out. Well, you're a shitty coach. I'm just going to be honest with you because you have to work with what you got. And right now you got Brian Allen and guess who controls the personnel? Robert Sala does. He could have played somebody else out there. Mm, Man. I I, didn't plan to go on a little rant there, but uh, so yeah, Robert Sala, you're flunking F minus Kyle Shanahan. I gave C minus C minus the run games working. The injuries are a lot. And again, the injuries are a lot for Robert Sala too. But you know you're still scheming open. The fact that Nick Mullins goes out and did what he did that first game with no punt—that's huge. That was the most important game uh, of the year for you know the Kyle Shanahan offensive scheme. Whatever, we're still running the ball very well. Uh, the quarterbacks are a mess. The offensive line's a mess. So I'd say C minus. Uh, probably should have been a little harsher on his his grade this year. Um, things got to change. You got to throw the ball on first down a little more run the ball on second down a little bit more. I can say it every week, and the numbers bear it out, but we're so predictable. And everybody's stacking the box against us because we don't have a deep threat at quarterback. We just don't have it. You look to 2019, Jimmy Garoppolo had a 75% completion percentage on deep balls. He wasn't throwing deep often, but whenever he was, it was the best in the NFL. Now, we're not doing anything deep. So that's got to fix. You know, some of the other coaches, man, I'm going to talk about this. Here we go. Ah, here we go. Uh, Richard Hightower, special teams, D, special teams we suck at. Punt team, awful. Blocked punts, uh, giving up pressures on field goal team, returning kicks nine yards out of the back of the end zone when you're down 14-0. Just awful, awful, awful. Yeah, D, and that's being nice. Now, positives, coaching staff, John Embry. Our tight ends coach, A plus. Look what he's been able to do with freaking Jordan Reed, George Kittle, Roz Dwelly. Uh, oh my gosh. A plus. Best coach on our staff. Uh, Tony Odin, our defensive backs coach, we brought over, F minus. Joe Woods <laughs> was the hero of the 2019 coaching staff. We knew it. We hoped Sala would catch up. He didn't. Um, I would swap them. Right now, dear lord, I would swap them out in a second. I miss you, Joe Woods. I love you, Joe Woods. Come back, Joe Woods. Uh <laughs> would a pin you a letter. Uh, you're gonna be my Valentine. Come on, baby. We need you back. Chris Kusaric, B plus. Um, he's done a great job with what we have. We're not getting, you know, the sacks that we like, but we're getting the pressures. Defensive line is not the reason we're losing games. It's also not the reason why we're winning games. So he still is positive, but with what he's done with Kerry Hyder, you should get an A, but we're struggling other places. John Bitton, our offensive line, F-minus, no cohesion whatsoever. Um, got to fix that. Robert Turner, our running backs, he gets an A. Um, absolutely incredible. So they, there are positives, but there's also a lot of negatives. Um, I don't know. We, we've gotta, We've got to fix something. We've got to fix something. Uh, here we go. From 49ers, Sack, Francisco. Uh, dude, I like that he referred to me as dude. I assume he's talking to me. Um, do you realize Jimmy Ward is not playing the same position this year from last year due to injury? Uh, yeah, his wrist, whatever else. And that's the thing. We were doing a lot more cover too. And they were more interchangeable with the free safety and strong safety. Now it's changed almost completely. Uh, you know, Jaquaski Tart's playing much more free. And Jimmy Ward's playing a lot more strong. Um, helping out in man coverage, things like that. But it doesn't matter where he is, he's wrong all the time. Uh, you can look to the one time we did actually go cover two, and he got beat right up the seam on just a post route uh, for a touchdown. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It's, it's a different back-end scheme, and it hasn't worked. I don't know why we don't go back to what worked, uh, but it's where we are. Um, it, uh, that's what it is. So it, you've got to have something – You've got to have something. And it doesn't matter because, again, Jimmy Ward's lining up all over the field. You know, I, I can shoot, I can, I can find it right here for you. It's not a big deal. Scroll to the very bottom because that's where he's ranked. And, and I think that this is key. I'm glad that you brought this up because we're asking him to do so many things. Maybe we're asking him to do too much. Eh, I, I don't know. You know, you look at just real quick here, let me open this up. I can get to his snap counts by whatever let's do this. And so here's the thing. Let's take it away from this. Let's look at it from this angle. What is Jimmy Ward's job out there on the field? It's to make plays at some point. He's not making plays anywhere. (laughs) It's, it's, he's lined up everywhere. Okay. So here we go. Here's our snaps. Okay. He's lined up on the offensive line eight times. Inside the box, 57 times. Slot corner, that's whenever there's four wide or an empty set, um, 85 times. Okay. Wild corner two, free safety, 156 snaps. So now they don't differentiate usually free safety and a box player. That's kind of the difference. So 57 in the box safety or a strong safety, 156 at free safety. So yeah, he is playing. Sometimes he's playing the same spot. And he's not making plays whenever he's playing the same spot. So, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> George, he needs blue Chew. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, from David, Ayuk is going to be a problem if Jimmy looks deep. The kid knows how to get separation. Hopefully, Jimmy pulls the trigger this week. Yeah, early too. And not a seven. At <laughs> Here's the biggest problem with our deep passing game right now. Kyle Shanahan's scheme is run, 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 play action, seven-step drop, max protect, run two guys out, launch a deep ball. Our seven-step drops, even in max protect, not working. Why not throw a simple fade route or a quick deep route instead of this slow-developing, you know, throw up 50 yards? We got to get that out of the gate. Uh, we have to adjust to a quicker passing system on some plays because our quarterbacks are getting killed, right? 58, I think 53 quarterback hits, worse than the NFL. So we've got to do that. Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, Matthew, can you help explain why the wide receivers aren't involved in the passing game and Shanahan's play calling? Yeah, it, it's... So first off, Debo, who got a lot of targets and was he was covered, blanketed the whole game. His shiftiness is not there. It's not there. And a lot of it's his shape, too. He's not in shape. So that's one problem. Brandon Ayuk, open consistently. Brandon Ayuk is open. Um, we got to get the ball to him more. I don't know why, but the quarterbacks are all gun shy because they're getting the crap knocked out of them. Um, and so, again, battle line play, miscommunications, whatever. doesn't matter. Your quarterback's getting hit. It affects how they play. No quarterback plays when they're getting hit this much. Not one. No one plays well when they're getting hit that much. You don't lead the NFL in quarterback hits and expect your quarterback to do well. Um, Take that for what you want. Uh, Zach, before the season, I thought they would bring back two to four corners, mostly Sherman and Witherspoon. Now I'm thinking mostly in Verrett. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I love it, man. And I appreciate you guys. I appreciate all the comments. I appreciate all the questions. We're over an hour. Good Lord. Look what you guys made me do. But I love it. Um, So, just want to say thank you for all the support. You guys are incredible. Uh, I'm going to start work now on our game plan, scouting reports, the Rams' offensive defense predictions, keys to the game, all those kinds of things. That's going to be coming your way probably Saturday. Again, a quick reminder if you see an episode out, it's going to say non football related. Uh, Give it a shot. Tell me what you think. Um, Because, yeah, I'll just leave it there. Thank you guys for all the support. You guys are incredible. And as always, stay strong, faithful.
1: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app.